Oh, it's your favorite time of the week. All your work is done, and it's time to relax. So come, grab some friends, and let's get lit and join the rotation. You are now in the rotation with Suncoast Normal. We are your host, your Suncoast Normal Executive Board, and we say it's time to legalize it. fantastic Sunday it is. I'm still on my two feet. Um, the other two guys are on their uh, substantial four feet. And we are getting ready to jump into the rotation. Hit the music. Okay, how did that work? Did that work out okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm so used to being in the studio, guys. But you know, last week we were over at uh, Cushcom and we had a fantastic time. I got all sorts of samples in COVID, which was wonderful. <laughs> oh man, sorry to hear in fact, that. I got my little test here. I'm still positive after a certain amount of days. Well, out I'm happy COVID. you're not sitting next to me, man. And I'm also happy that I didn't get COVID either. Well, here's the deal. I was double boosted, so I got it. But thanks to uh, Paxlovid and the vaccinations that I got, it wasn't that bad of a deal. But I have to isolate. So Ebor City is going to have to live without me today. And now here I am back at home with me and my seven cats and my, my dear wife. And we're ready to go forward. And by the way, I posted a contest last night. I don't know if anybody saw it or not. I figured I'd do it when I was stuck in line at one of those curbside things because I can't get out of the car for a while for whatever reason. And uh, I told people if they could figure out where I got this from on Saturday. And I gave them some clues, including the entire interview set from that day, which was like, like what, 10 people we interviewed within a matter of an hour. I kept, I was just sitting there and Carlos was just bringing him rapid fire over there. I had to figure out who they were and we had a good time. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> that was cool. But it, uh, let's let's just see how these things happen. Anyways, let's introduce ourselves. My name is Gary Stein. I am the political director here of Suncoast Normal, and also their master of public health. Above me now is our deputy director, Carlos. Don't put salami in my <coughs> Cuban, even though I'm a vegetarian. Anyway, Aramida, and to the upper right hand corner. Coming to us from above the beltway, where he hits him below the beltway, our executive director, Christopher Kano, and or union organizer extraordinaire. Indeed. And some people have been calling me with my long hair, Fat Jesus, which, uh, you know. <laughs> That's P-H-A-T, right? Indeed. indeed. <laughs> okay. And our, and our very, very special guest today, which I'm really looking forward to, because we've got some very interesting uh a political contest coming up this year. And one of the things we're going to try to do is we're going to try to revamp the uh, the cabinet because uh, we, it hasn't been working as well as it should, especially in the realm of the uh, attorney general, who for some odd reason tends to come to be the attorney general of the governor as opposed to the attorney general of the state. And we have, we have some good candidates this year to, to choose from. And my favorite happens to be here right now. And this, and this is a lady... Uh, I can say that because I'm 65, so everybody else is considered young. That works out well for me. Uh, has not only been a uh, public defender, but also a prosecutor, both sides of the fence. Isn't it wonderful to see somebody who can see things from both sides and move it forward? Because usually I'm not a big fan of lawyers because they tend to be one-sided when it comes to their client. But th this is a lady who's even-handed and has has a excellent opinion of how the law system should work. <clears throat> Aramis Ayala was the uh, state attorney for uh, district, uh, was it uh, Circuit Court uh, Ninth Five? Circuit. Ninth Circuit. Ninth Circuit, okay. In, in Orlando, right? Yes. Yes. And the first time that I heard of you was when I was working in, in Tallahassee and Governor Scott just had steam coming out of his ears. And every day was another thing about we have to stop Ayala. We have to stop Ayala. And I'm going to say, what is the problem? Well, what was the problem? 
So there were several problems. You know, it's 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 anytime you have someone who doesn't just want to change the status quo, but has the authority and the power to do so, and who has backing. And as a state attorney, you know, a lot of people, oh, she's the first woman in our circuit, or she's the first black person across the state. No, the issue is I was the first one who was speaking on behalf of the people and looking at data and looking at how to pursue justice in a way that had nothing to do with our feelings, but had all to do with what justice and unbiased, uh, you know, legislation looked like. So um, it started with the death penalty. Um, and I stand by what I said. And when people are ready to have a substantive conversation about the death penalty instead of their emotions and their desire for vengeance, and I'm, I'm ready for that conversation. But that's where it started. It is a touchy subject. Um, and I know that every state treats it differently. Florida has its own way of treating things differently. And even just the way that they actually implement the death penalty uh, is different in different states to the point where in some cases it, it is a lot more humane. In other cases, it is just uh, <clears throat> a penalty that is absolutely beyond, I think, man's ability to be good to themselves kind of situation. What was your basis be behind uh, telling the governor, I am not going to try these cases as death penalty cases? So I always, and you didn't say it wrong, a lot of people do, I never refused to prosecute death penalty cases. It was seeking the sentence of death penalty. When you kill someone, eh, you probably shouldn't be on the streets and you deserve to be prosecuted because you're a danger to the community. So let's be clear there, public safety requires prosecution. When it came to the death penalty, I really was not a death like opponent. I came up through the ranks, you know, um, as an assistant state attorney, I had a case that I believe it was death penalty. What it means, though, is that when you get a position of power, it's not about you. It becomes more about what you're doing. And having the authority to just sign my name and that start the wheels of death, I took that seriously. So I started looking at, should we really be doing this, knowing that just while I was running, the death penalty had been overturned twice in less than two years by both the the Florida Supreme Court and the United States Supreme Court. So I'm like, what is going on and why are we doing this? And my, you know, independent research was able to disclose that in Florida, we lead the nation with death row exonerations, meaning we get it wrong the most. I also looked up, you know, trying to make sure I wasn't uh, threatening policy and death penalty is not a deterrent. The states that have the death penalty actually have higher homicide rates than those that don't. And that includes Florida. I looked at the, the money that we spend, you know, you have people who pretend to be responsible. We spend $51 million every year to keep the death penalty going. This is in the appeals. This is in the housing. This is in the executions. This is how we're spending our money instead of really trying to get real public safety. We're using it for vengeance. So I looked through this concept. And even what I came along with is, is the post-traumatic stress disorder associated with the people who have to carry it out. See, I sit in my big important chair knowing that there are people who see images of dead people. I've interviewed them, you know, after they have, you know, uh, facilitated their death. This isn't something we should take lightly. It makes us feel good for the moment, but the process is not working and it's ineffective. Well said. And there's some, I'm sorry, Chris, go ahead. No, I was just saying, well said. And, and uh, it is refreshing to actually see, um, you know, someone in a, in position of power weigh the, the, the you know, just, just the ramifications and the weight of executing and wielding that power. So often we see our politicians uh, wield the power like children, you know, uh, with matches. And for you to take that rational approach and to realize that we're in a state where people get it wrong, where so often, you know, how many times we read an article that a guy spends 30 years on death row and then he's exonerated by DNA evidence. And like you said, Florida gets it wrong the most. So for you to step into that office and and and, and have that, that forethought and have that knowledge and just have that insight, you know, makes you uh, more qualified, in, in my opinion, than the vast majority of public servants we have. So we really, I, I really appreciate um, your sentiments in that. Now, Thank you. one thing that you, you you mentioned that is of grave concern to me, especially in people. We live near Hillsborough County because our we usually go from Eatmore uh, City, which is part of Hillsborough County, is that uh, the governor has decided to challenge prosecutorial discretion when it came to Andrew Warren and suspended the man for two uh, laws that have not yet even been implemented yet. And that to me is a concern, not only of the initial act, but also the slippery slope of how many times he, he's going to overrule prosecutorial uh, <clears throat> discretion, which is so important of a tool that we have, which is why the reason we try to get the smartest people 
in the state attorney spots. You know, what I found so interesting is when you look at history, right, when you look at all the law review articles, the, this thing of prosecutorial discretion was so sacred, right? Like, they, like no one ever questioned prosecutorial discretion until the face and the heart of the prosecutor changed. You know, as a black woman, I represent 1% of elected prosecutors. You also have diverse ones who may not be black or may not be a woman like Andrew Warren, who still, you know, happen to be promoting policies that benefit, you know, the most directly impacted people in our criminal justice system, which happen to be blacks, Hispanics, and poor people. So when you have policies that are now helping them and the discretion is being used to benefit other people other than the most powerful, this whole big thing, oh, you know, prosecutorial discretion is, is out of whack. When, when, when he, you know, took, tried to take Andrew down, and I'm going to stand by Andrew, when he attempted to do that, it wasn't just, a, you know, a hit at prosecutorial discretion. That was clear. It was also a hit at voting rights because the people not only elected him, but they reelected him in a community where DeSantis couldn't even win the election. When you look at the map, it's not as if he won his, his, his governor's position through Hillsborough County. He did not. He was not successful. And then he overrode that of the prosecutor. So you got to tack on voting rights, especially in the midst of all of the legislation that is attempting to undermine you know, voter rights and then is suppress the vote. Here's what we're doing. It also attacked women. You know, you have someone standing up for women's rights, bodily autonomy, making certain we don't become, you know, excuse me, second class citizens. That's, these are all the issues. And then free speech. Like you said, Gary, this this wasn't something that happened. It's not like it's a state versus, you know, such and such case that, that refused to prosecute. It's a I will not prosecute these cases. I believe that this 15 week abortion ban is unconstitutional. You don't have a specific case. So his right to free speech, you're looking at, you know, this this culmination of rights that have been invaded as a result of the suspension. Yeah. Also, Gary, for our listeners, I think it's important for people to understand that um, we supported Andrew Warren in his initial election because the incumbent he was running against put more people in jail for simple marijuana possession than all violent crime put together during his tenure. And so understanding that by electing Andrew Warren, we were able to help get rid of the third worst prohibitionist in the country, someone who was prosecuting kids as young as eight years old as adults. So our organization, our members um, support Andrew Warren. And the fact that the governor is willing to come in and override the will of the people uh, reeks of authoritarianism. And, and the fact is, is that we need to, one, replace this governor, but two, we need to replace his cabinet. And that's why I'm glad we have you here uh, today with us, uh, Aramis, because we want to know um, your platform for attorney general and specifically, you know, what, what you can bring uniquely to the office that we've been lacking for so many decades here in Florida. So what I want to bring to the office is a vision for the people. You know, when you were, we started talking about the abortion ban, but you're also talking about teachers' rights, their freedoms to teach in a classroom, um, the, the don't say gay, the whole woke concept. Um, I'd rather be woke than sleep. That still confuses me. Um, but, you know, when you're trying to educate children and not indoctrinate them, when you, um, it, it, the goal of the attorney general should be to ensure that our laws support the constitution, not violate them. So even though there are laws that are passing through our legislator, our legislative um, process, that doesn't mean they're constitutional. And I always use the don't say gay bill to, to try to educate people as best I can. It's law school 101. Whenever there is language in a law that does not meet um, you know, basic understanding, meaning the same thing to me and you, if I say red, that means red, right? If I say go, that means go. When you use words like inappropriate, which is the language that is used in the don't say gay bill, that, that, that wording makes it unconstitutionally vague because it means different things to different people. That doesn't, you don't have to agree with the law or disagree with it. It is unconstitutionally vague and it should have never passed because of that word right there. So it is the attorney general's responsibility to stand up for the people and to, 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 to support the will of the people using the constitution. The 15-week abortion ban, that passed through the legislature, but Florida has the provision that is very clear with the privacy, like in, in, the, in the case law historically in Florida, says that privacy provision supports a woman's right to choose whether or not she has an abortion. The voting rights 
our constitution was amended in 2010 with fair districts that would not allow for this decimation of those majority minority districts. And that was a violation. These are all the things that the attorney general should have been fighting against and allowing any litigation to pass straight through and side with the people. So that's my vision is to make sure that the constitution supports the people, not harms them. One thing I see kind of uh, odd, I feel, in, in the Florida justice system is that legislators can go ahead and create laws which does not go through full judicial scrutiny before being implemented. And so therefore you have to actually sue to, pro to prove a, a constitutional challenge, either in the Court of Appeals and or the Supreme Court. Yet, um, if you are a citizen trying to create a law through citizen initiatives, you have to pass that uh, Supreme Court uh, scrutiny first before you can even get it on the ballot. Somehow I wonder why the scales are tipped exactly in that way. I know it has to do with the powers that be, but I thought that the citizenry are the ones who had the power. You know what's interesting is I have begun to explore this concept of looking at the, the members of the legislature who have, bar, who have bar licenses because we take an oath to support the Constitution and they should not be holding a bar license. At this point where I'm exploring, why are you able to hold a Florida bar license if you are also will vote on unconstitutional laws? So even though the way that you said we're not set up, that it doesn't pass that, 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 that Supreme Court um, standard, it should pass the legislative standard by those who hold a bar license. And that is absolutely concerning to me. I mean, just in the process wow. that we went through to get the, uh, can the cannabis laws put through, like. <laughs> home grow and the flora growing case. We had to fight the, the uh, Supreme Court. And it was basically because of the fact that the attorney general is working on behalf of the governor's wishes to go ahead and appeal the wins that we had and then put it up to the Supreme Court where it was completely loaded with conservative judges at this point in time who were willing to most likely do the, the bidding of those people who put them in office, which is not the way it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a totally separate uh, section of government but that seems the way that, that, that things ended up turning out. I'm wondering how you could change that. In, and that's, well, it's a tragedy because it, 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 the attorney general, generally speaking, use general general, the generally speaking, it is that person who determines whether it even gets to the Florida Supreme Court. So if the attorney general agrees with the people that marijuana should be legal and agrees that the wording is legitimate, or if she disagrees, then get a group of people together to find out how to word it in a way that is consistent with the constitution and consistent with our laws, help them versus trying to harm them because we're showing the will of the people that if it is drafted and approved, by that more than 60% of the vote, then you're in a place that represents people versus you fighting against them. The attorney general is the voice of the people. Like you, we can say it over and over again, but it is an advocate, which is even why in my you know democratic primary, I try to remind people, like, I'm the advocate. I'm not trying to reach and, and, and cross over to the other side. That's not what it is. No one hires a lawyer and says, hey, kind of mediate this and work with the other side. No one shows up in court and says, work with the other side to see what we can get. No, you go in there and you fight for me. You fight for my interests and you do everything that it takes for me to come out on the upside. That's what an attorney should do. That is what an advocate does. That's what you raise your right hand. And on this screen, it is not showing my right hand. I promise y'all this is my right hand. <laughs> no, who, who raises their right hand and that it takes the oath to support and, and, and provide legal assistance for their client. The people are the client, not the governor, not the legislature. And that's how we have to make certain we are putting an attorney general, myself, who is committed to doing that. Now, we have a, a new ballot initiative that just popped up this uh, this last week uh, from the good folks over at Truly, even the Bellamy Brothers, who are my neighbors to the north over here, who I'm trying to get on the show to, to discuss this. And this is not the first attempt to have a ballot initiative to have full legalization for adult use. We've had several other ones. And when they finally got enough for uh, Supreme Court scrutiny, they got knocked down by the use of one word, usually. Like the word use was, was how it got, it got knocked down on, on one particular instance. And no matter how hard you seem to work to, to word your 75-word abstract to make it right, they're going to come back and say, well, you're still confusing the voters. Well, if you only have 75 words, a lot of times you can't explain everything in, in, in completeness. 
Well, that's what the constitutional amendment for is to express the heart of the people. And then if there is necessary legislation later on to clarify the will of the people, then you can do that as long as that clarification doesn't begin to, um, you know, subvert the will of the people. That's the difference. Well, what happens if we have a, a ballot initiative? We finally get a million petitions. We finally get it past the Supreme Court on the second or third revision. And then <clears throat> when it comes time for the legislature to go ahead and implement it, they do whatever they can to obfuscate it and make it just doesn't happen. Uh, this can easily happen with any of the, not only the cannabis things, but let's talk, for instance, about the uh, amendment four many years ago in regards to the felons getting their right the rights to vote back, which... Charlie Chris was on the on the show not too long ago where he had said he had made a promise as a governor to go ahead and give them their rights back. And then, of course, Scott took it away. Then we tried to get it back with a constitutional amendment. And they went ahead and said, sure, but you have to pay back everything you don't have before you can get your, your, your vote back. It, it's not, it's not, it's mind numbing and it feels very uh, depressing. It is. And the worst part about it is that you want people to integrate back into society after taking them out. You know, the, I always remind people this, that the word rehabilitation has been changed in the Florida statute. And it literally says, when you read the sentencing statute, that the, the goal of sentencing is punishment. Rehabilitation is, is a goal, but it will always come second to, um, to punishment. Th that's the wording. Like, I'm not, I'm not making this up. That's what our Florida sentencing statutes say. So when we're failing to rehabilitate, we don't care about rehabilitation, then people get out with all of these fines. They want to now engage civically by voting, and we're going to make it more difficult. That is problematic on so many levels. If you want to be able to say, yes, they got to pay back their fines, which that's a whole other issue of cruel and unusual that's a you know the the fines let's talk about the constitutionality of that but if that's what you choose to do then we should be having a uniform system that doesn't make it more difficult if you ask a person who's been formerly incarcerated how much money they owe they're going to tell you how much they owe in one jurisdiction there's no uniform place in a clerk's office in the state of florida that will calculate their fines in leon county and duval county in orange or uh, hillsborough it's not going to take it all so then they pay it off and say miami-dade and they've completed their sentence, they paid it off, and then they go register to vote, and oh, oops, you did have something in Clay County, they just never sent it to you, or you had an outstanding um, bill, uh, you had outstanding fees there, so now since you registered to vote, you have committed a crime. That's like, we're making it more difficult, and the reality is we can find reasons to criticize them, but most people in those situations can't navigate that. I remember being the elected state attorney, and we were trying to, we had to put a team together to figure out how to navigate the suspended license process for, to get people their license back. This, this penalty of poverty is very real, and the penalty of past criminalization is also very real. So we have to have people who are willing to find a way to make it who are willing to simplify the process so that people aren't criminalized for the difficulties that are created by government. Uh, one thing that Senator Brandon uh, had told me time and time again is that <clears throat> punishment without rehabilitation creates recidivism. And we just don't need more people in the prisons. GEO wants to have more people in the prisons at, and, and they do whatever they can to make certain that their house is full. But we don't want necessarily to be the most incarcerative uh, uh, state in the country as we as we often are yeah when you look at you know the, the the screams and the cries which is what i plan on lifting up in the general election of public safety public safety is way more than mass incarceration right like every like on the other side of the political spectrum it's oh we're fighting for public safety what does that mean i want to kill people that means i want max sentences that means i want to keep people in 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 in, in prison that means that i want to uh, criminalize non-violent crimes and put people in prison for uh, marijuana i want to put people in prison for driving on a suspended license i want to suspend their license for possession of marijuana this whole cycle and they call that public safety but we're running around where kids are being shot and killed in schools we're running around where people on the front line during covid don't have the ppe that they need you know we're running around where public safety is not you know universal it's just that one concept and when you look at you know going back to what you just said how i got on this tangent of course um you know recidivism is directly tied to 
uh, public safety. If you're not doing things to reduce recidivism, you are not contributing to public safety. So all the research, again, shows that people in, in places where individuals are able to engage civically, they are less likely to recidivate. We should want people to engage in the democratic process. Now, Carlos, I mean, Chris, to your, to your right, my left, or wherever we are right now, up on, on top in the corner there, got his degree in public administration and did some fantastic work in your, your master's thesis in regards to this issue. Yeah. Um, you know, all in all, Gary, um, you know, looking at where we're at with, with you know, cannabis possession and, and utilizing it, um, it as, a, as a tool, you know, uh, uh, Aramis just hit it on the head. Uh, prohibition has been used in this country as a tool to, you know, as the biggest um, stripper of civil rights uh, of any other policy. You know, it is something that 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 is simple and easy to use for the system. Um, you know, uh, for years uh, we saw folks across the aisle, whether it was the Nixon administration, the Reagan administration, even even our own current president in, in this time in the Senate. Um, you know, uh, label people who utilize cannabis as drug addicts, as 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 folks who are not, um, you know, uh, productive members of society. And every single study in the modern era has refuted that. Uh, you know, if you're looking for uh, three cannabis users who are productive members of society, you got three of them on this show right now, right? You know, one one in this bottom corner here who's a very successful business owner. So, you know, uh, understanding that, uh, you know, the, the narratives that have been used uh, by folks uh, have always had a political means. And we touched on it briefly. Gary, you talked about Geo Group uh, being one of the largest private prison companies in the country and their role in Florida and how much they donate to tough on crime candidates. And, and you know, Aramis hit it on the head. You can be tough on crime and, and also be a reasonable human being and realize that public policies affect people's lives in ways that even you can't foresee when you're the one wielding that power. So having uh, respect uh, for the power of, of the office and in, in wielding that power responsibly, like like as Stan Lee always said, with great power comes great responsibility. And the fact that you have that uh, uh, insight, Aramis, uh, uh, leads me to want to vote for you. And, and, and it makes me want to make sure that you're the person that we have uh, in November, you know, uh, going head up on the ballot uh, against the current attorney general, who I feel as though has done nothing for the people, uh, especially in regards to helping move forward a culture uh, in this state where one, cannabis users are not continuing to be criminalized. And two, you know, um, the, the nature of policing in this state. You know, Gary, I can't talk about cannabis, de cannabis decriminalization or policy without discussing that policing is is one of the, the main ways in which this causes issues because even among all the work we've done with decriminalization in the various cities and counties it still is at the discretion of certain officers and officer discretion oftentimes is something that uh it has their own biases to take into account and i want the reason i'm touching on this is because aramis in your own time when i, I first noticed you outside of your election in the politics was seeing you go viral on Instagram for being pulled over and harassed by cops in your own district. So I was like, damn, that's who I want. That's who I want to be the attorney general, someone who knows how messed up the system is. And you know you're the boss is the one that's being treated like that because they didn't know any better. So I just wanted you to take a moment to talk about policing and the role that you feel the attorney general should have in creating a more equitable culture in policing in our state. You know, it's really interesting because, you know, one of my uh, Democratic primary opponents says, oh, well, you can't win. The police don't like you or you should know what the police think about you. And I mean, let's all get along. Right. But not at at this at the expense of the people. You know, um, it is about leading with a service and leading with equity and equality and fairness. And the fact that I can be stopped lets me know that anyone can be stopped. I took a shortcut to get home and that shortcut is in the high crime area. And when I, you know, it's a state issued vehicle. So when they run the plate, it, it doesn't come back to anything, but all elected officials have that. The state added the tent, so it is legal tent. There was absolutely no reason to stop me that day. And unfortunately, the chief of police um, doubled down on it. So I ended up creating a um, diversion program for people who are stopped 
by police officers so that we could reduce the encounters. Take a 30 minute um, diversion course with a video I created. It's my voice, it's my thoughts on there. And once you finish that, the case is dropped. We are going to reduce the encounters, but specifically as it relates to marijuana, and I was outrageously concerned, especially when the hemp came out, because, um, and I will say, I was the one who stopped prosecuting because of this. When you have less than 0.8%, right, of THC, how does an officer know that it's what the percentage is? So now you're justifying a stop for the smell or presence of something that either could be or couldn't be illegal and justifying it as probable cause. So now you know that it could be for medical reasons. You know, there's so many reasons that a person could smell like it, you know, or there would be the substance there. And I, I found that very problematic. So we stopped prosecuting. But in order for us to have more equitable policing, we have to have an attorney general who isn't just saying, oh, we back the blue. Yes, we should back the blue. We also should back the truth. Right. Like we have to be able to be committed to concepts of truth. And in the attorney general's office, we will have a civil rights division no different than the than the United States that will investigate police departments for patterns and practices that are discriminatory or problematic. These are the issues. These are the issue, issues that we have to be able to address and not be afraid of the blowback. Do I understand that my policies led to me being stopped? Yes. But if you're not willing to put it all on the line, then you probably probably aren't right for public service. I did notice that after that stop that you did you know, make a public thing at, at saying that it was a legitimate stop at that point in time and things were done as they should be. Is that correct? It was a legally supported stop, but that doesn't mean that it was legitimate. There's two totally different things. It's no different than, than, the, than the shootings and the things that we encounter. You know what's right and wrong. But we also know that the law sometimes supports things that are unjust, things that are discriminatory. And always willing to stand up and say, nah, we shouldn't be doing that. Just because we can doesn't mean that we should on one hand. But I also, the attorney in me who understands the law, will always say the law does support this. So that was my position. It wasn't right. And it's not right when they do it. But that doesn't mean the law as currently written doesn't support it. Guys, I've remained quiet for the entire time. Um, but that just means that there's uh, a bunch of questions just brewing up inside of me right now. Um, first off, right? Question marks pop up all the I am like, I, I'm trying to do this Google search and I am completely coming up blank. Like, wasn't there some statistic that came out saying that like in medical states, like arrests go up or something like that? Or am I just completely ma making that up? <laughs> no, Carlos, I actually gave a, a speech on that a couple of weeks ago. Despite legalization, um, interactions between Black and Hispanic uh, uh, constituents uh, have has still gone up in medical states. And and, and and they're still subject to disparate searcher uh, rates. So you're not wrong in that. It just, so you know, I'm sitting here, Deputy Director of Suncoast Normal, and I have to wonder, what the fuck are we doing here? Um, cause I mean, it, seriously, because like I, it, we're, we're putting in all this work, Gary will tell you, we don't get paid for it. Um, and, and, and it seems like things are getting worse because of racist fucking cops. And, um, I mean, I mean, what the fuck are we doing here? I mean, so, so safe and sensible Florida came out and I want to take a few minutes to, 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 to ask a few questions about this amendment initiative because it's, it's caused a lot of controversy in the activist movement. Um, but I mean, if this passes, it's, does that just mean racist cops are going to be able to fucking arrest more people? Like what, like, how is this justifiable? How is this justifiable for us to like actually put in the work for an amendment initiative? Right. And and then for 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 more people to get arrested, I don't know. Anyways, uh, so safe and sensible Florida, right? There's a few things that are 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 that I'm at, I I I want to ask you guys about this. First off, it's a single uh, the single uh, uh, topic. Yeah. So safe and sensible is trying to legalize adult use. It's backed by True Leave, which has a lot of people like questioning it, right? Um, now, uh, apparently, in order for an amendment to pass, and one of the biggest cri criticisms is, is that it doesn't include home growth, right? So the, the what Safe and Sensible Florida is saying is that it can include home growth because uh, it has to be a single single topic, right? But 
I'm thinking about United for Care's amendment, and it had several different topics in there. Like it legalized medical use, it established medical marijuana treatment centers, it established patients, and it established the treatment centers the ability to grow their own cannabis. So this is doing several things. Why can't that be included in Safe and Sensible? Well, Carlos, that's a good question. Number one being that United for Care decision was on a 4-3 split. And since then, DeSantis has had an opportunity to pack the court with his appointees. So mm-hmm. we, we won't get that same split on Supreme Court review uh, now. And that's why we saw Regulate struck down. That's why we've seen Make It Legal Florida struck down, and among other uh, previous adult use initiatives. So, <laughs> okay. Also, the, uh, the single subject was legalization of medical use of marijuana for people with uh, with qualifying conditions. Everything else came in via the implementation from the legislature. So it, they gave the constitutional um, authority to to create the program with all those different pieces on it. But the amendment itself was basically to release it for medical use. Okay, so so it seems to me that uh, we just keep on running into the same issue here, and it's it's a good thing Aramis is on the show because it seems like DeSantis has just completely fucked up our state, <laughs> and it seems like we need to get better politicians in there in order to 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 get any type of progress going. So yes, he has. Completely upside down, but he well, could fuck. without the support. <laughs> he can't do it without the support of the cabinet, right? Like the uh-huh. cabinet was created to decentralize the power of the governor. So it is just important who we elect on the cabinet as it is who we elect as our governor, because they they're the ones who vote on clemency. They have the administrative hearings. They they they're the ones who take that away when he's too much. And when you have an attorney general a CFO or a commissioner of agriculture who is just going to, you know, hey, bud, what is it you need us to do? Who are going to empower him versus take away and, and neutralize that power? You're in, you're, you're in just as much danger. So this can happen if the attorney general of the state of Florida pushes back against it, which I will. Yeah, so... He'll so have, he'll have to use only resources to support it if he the forces of the state the attorney general that is that's completely her purview so so let me ask you miss and 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 this this may be like a a too complicated of a question but say desantis remains governor and you're you become attorney general what can you do for cannabis in our state so one of the things that i will do not just can do is whenever there's a um, legislative amendment I, like, I'm not going to, if it is the will of the people, I will help it across. Like, I will help make that become. I will not, you know, go against the will. If you're able to get that many signatures and then the people vote on it, then to say, I'm your attorney, but we shouldn't do this, right? There are, like, even just in a regular court, there are certain things, no matter what I agree or disagree with my client, they have a right to go to, right? They have a right to determine whether or not they testify. These are their rights whether or not. And if the people are voting for this as a substance that they believe should be legalized and they put the money, they have put the resources and gotten the votes to do it. And I'm their attorney. Like I'm not their attorney if I don't support that. So I, that's what I would do. And there's nothing the governor can do. There's nothing he can do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, he can try to suspend me, I guess, but that's not even constitutionally valid, but we'll get it passed before <laughs> any of that happens. Well, you know, I, I have, and we touched on this, um, Virginia Normal, Carlos, was able to do this. They got it through their legislature to remove uh, the smell of cannabis as probable cause. Um, in Maryland, their Supreme Court just decided against it on a on a on a like a one vote split on like a four three split. So up here in the DMV, um, that's something that is 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 a popular policy, and I think that's something that we should look forward uh, uh, look forward to pushing through. Now, I would ask Aramis is in regards to that is that something we're going to have to do as a legislative fix, or does your office have any power in regards to what is considered probable cause and where discretion comes in at? So the power wouldn't be able to establish that. The local prosecutors would determine how they interpret that on a basis. Now, as the attorney general, I can set a legislative agenda. I can push that as legislation, but I also know what our legislature looks like. So the back provision would be to determine what police for what police agencies 
are using and justifying their stops on that and using that as data to support it. The other part is that if it's a felony and it is appealed, that comes that appeal comes to my office. We determine whether or not that what would be filed is a motion to suppress and whether or not that motion suppress should have been granted because it was not a legal stop. And we would investigate each one of those cases individually on a case by case basis and determine whether or not probable cause. So we would have our hands on it on the on the front end to determine if police agencies are abiding by the laws, but also um, we'd see it on the back end on the appeals that we could address it there as well. Awesome. Carlos, you're the most non-political out of all of us. So I always uh, enjoy hearing <laughs> your, your, your questions to our candidates. So is there anything that strikes you out uh, that did you want to ask Aramis or, or anything in particular that, that's still waiting on your soul? It just seems like it, it's, it just surprises me so much uh, that, you know, you're talking to a Cuban-American man here and it's surprising. speak much Spanish. Well, I don't speak much Spanish, but my father was arrested in Cuba for simply saying he was against Castro, um, you know, and uh, it, it surprises me so much that Cubans in the state vote conservative so much. And it, it's it's it, it's so surprising that conservatives have, have such a stronghold in Florida, and particularly because of the Hispanic population. Um, I, I mean, my dad literally was in jail for simply saying a sentence against Castro and conservatives here are telling people not to say gay. They're, they're, they're arresting black people for cannabis use. They're, um, uh, you know, you know what I mean? Like they, they're literally the power over people t telling people what to do with their body, what they can and can't do. Um, and, and it's just so fucking surprising to me that Floridians want to be controlled. It, it looks like that to me. It really looks like that to me. Like they, 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 they literally want to be controlled. You know, the interesting thing about that, Carlos, is that the messaging, unfortunately, is the most powerful tool. Mm -hmm. And our inability to message bold and blatant truths has not risen to the top. And that's what has made my candidacy different is that I'm not trying to, you know, fit into this mold of what Democrats should sell. No, I'm going to fit into, let's just speak the truth, and then you can politicize it the way that you want. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not a politician. Now, I don't talk like a politician, so I can't say I'm not. I'm in politics, but I'm never going to, um, you know, watch my mouth in order to make people comfortable. See, D Democrats, we tend to like the comfort. And when you see on the other side, Republicans, more conservatives, they tend to like scare you. They will say anything. They will mm -hmm. make it up and mm -hmm. then try and fix it on the back end. They will defend wrong. They will make you feel safe by just making a promise. I mean, like realistically, Ashley Moody, our current attorney general, she literally is saying, I'm here for public safety. But the numbers don't support that. Floridians are not safer. Like we have more violent crime since she's been in office and DeSantis has been in office. Yes. So it is time for us to be able to speak the truth and not be afraid of scaring people because the truth is scary. When you think about where we are as a people, when you think about where how, how threatened our rights and freedoms are, we have to be able to call it like it is and not try and sugarcoat it so that we can all say kumbaya. We'll say kumbaya once I'm a whole person. We'll say kumbaya once I have all my rights and freedoms and my children can be educated. We'll sing kumbaya when people have the medical care needs and treatments that they need. But right now, no, we're going to call it like it is and we're going to tell people. That's the issue and why I think we're having problems problems getting to through some of the, um, you know, uh, Cubans and Venezuela people who don't see the same way. They have been scared, unfortunately, by the rhetoric of those who actually are working against their interest. Well, uh, let me let me ask you a question. Uh, have, has the other side ever called you a communist? I've been called everything. <laughs> I've, been, I've been called everything. But I think it, that's where this is. This is where it's going to You sorry. talk rhetoric, right? Like you talk rhetoric and that's exactly it right there. They, they, they call you a communist to scare you from, from to, to scare people away from voting for you in this state. But, that, and, but 
Look at the opportunity. Yeah, you're the one that's like not trying to tell people what to do. (laughs) Like you're you're the one that's like you know what I mean. Like it's completely opposite and contrary to the fact. It's complete rhetoric, not logic. Exactly, but we have truth. We absolutely have a truth. We have a governor who's a dictator. Isn't like the opportunity that we have this. Um, this voting cycle, this election cycle is to expose the Republican Party and, you know, the, the extremists and the radicals for who and what they are. That we have a governor who wants to take away your rights, who doesn't yeah. want you voting, who wants you shot up and doesn't care if you're killed, who wants you yeah. to fight against each other. And then an attorney general who backs that with the Constitution. That's what we have. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's why I say doesn't make any sense when he says that we have the freest state in the country, and yet the freest state in the country is talking about uh, uh, curtailing rights in regards to voting, curtailing regards rights in regards to having surgeries if you are a transgender and from an individual who needs affirmation surgery, or a woman who's a woman in regards to keeping her reproductive rights. All these things are being taken away on the on the uh, idea that Florida is the freest state here, unless you're not the person that they want you to have rights for. You're free. You are are free if you are white, if you are male, if you are rich, and if you are conservative. If you are those, oh, you free as all get out. Like you are, you're free free, right? But if you're anything that doesn't fit into that, like typology, nah, nah, you're, you're, you're not free. But that's who he speaks to. That's his base. That's who gets him hyped up. And that's who, unfortunately, um, is going to continue to vote for him. And he well, backs I, up president the last that... three and a half years trying to get uh, Ashley Moody to talk about the use of cannabis in regards to opiate uh, uh, <clears throat> remediation because of that. It is one of the options out there and it's been proved by research. And yet that's one of those things she, she has no intention of, of applying, even though at the very beginning of her term, she said, we're going to go after how to remediate opiate addiction. And all they're doing is putting out more Narcan basically. And arresting people and putting them in rehab, and it, it's not working. No, and Gary, let's talk about that for a second because uh, uh, in the past week, um, in the uh, Journal of Substance Use and Misuse, uh, coming out of Canada, a, a study: medical cannabis use is not associated with elevated risk of hospitalization due to mental health disorders. The Canadian researchers have assessed that marijuana-related hospitalizations um, over a cohort of twenty-three thousand authorized medical cannabis patients actually tracked and showed that incidences attributed to either cannabis poisoning or because of mental health and behavioral health disorders, uh, you know, are just, there's no, there's no findings there. Uh, So, you know, oftentimes what we're seeing is that uh, conservatives will throw out these outlandish statements like, you know, cannabis causes you to go crazy and kill your parents, which is one that we've been fighting for 80 years, right, with with reefer madness. And then the same thing in the modern era, they've repackaged all these things. And we've seen it in hearings and and reasons to shoot down, not even giving good bills like uh, ending employment testing for cannabis. You know, like that's something that uh, uh, folks are doing in California right now. It's also something that they're fighting at the federal level uh, with the American Federation of Government Employees fighting for to, you know, delete uh, and allow for responsible off-duty cannabis usage. So, um, you know, knowing that cannabis treats uh, people's mental illness, knowing that it helps with anxiety, knowing it helps with pain and inflammation, uh, it makes no sense for in the modern era for us to continue to use it as pre-employment testing uh, for non-sensitive positions. It, it doesn't make any sense, and we need to step up and in, 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 uh, in, in make it happen. So I would say in my last closing question to you, Aramis, because I know uh, you got to go, you got a busy schedule on the campaign trail, is um, is there any role that the attorney general's office has um, in regards to uh, addressing uh, this issue of pre-employment testing of uh, cannabis, or is it just something that you'll have say so on uh, when we actually get to the legislative uh, part of it? Yeah, you know, a lot of um, local, the, the locals and whether or not we support them. So I think that the attorney general can always have a position, state that position, try to influence people with that position. And when it gets to her desk, whether it's through litigation or otherwise, support it. So, yes, um, it can be a legislative and legislative agenda or it can be a microphone across the state um, of how the attorney general will handle this. And you're going to have a lot to handle especially when it comes to turning the state around. Uh, and, and because we are kind of coming to a close right now, I think 
love to hear your, your, your stump speech about uh, what uh, you plan on doing in regards to the, the possibility of you being in that office and how you can change things for the better because we could use some changes and I'm looking forward to seeing. So first of all, thank you for having me. Um, any platform that I can get on to let the people know what I stand for and who I am is important to me. Um, I am running to be Florida's next attorney general and I'm running because our constitutional rights are, are being violated and they're being violated by the people who are in power. So unless we get someone in there who will protect our constitutional rights and the will of the people, we're going to continue to see the decline of our rights. I'm running to protect our constitutional rights. I'm running to protect our democracy. I am also running for public safety. You know, it is time that we have a place where people truly are safe and not just saying they're safe, where people truly are healthy and not just saying that they're healthy. The images of health and the images of safe are inaccurate. People are concerned about sending their kids to school. People are concerned about going to public events. People are concerned about their health. And we need to make, make it clear that the state of Florida cares about the well-being of people. And finally, I am running to make certain that we build an economy that works for everyone, not just one that works for the powerful, not one that waits until the gas prices are high to say something, someone who will say something when we're concerned about paying for our elderly parents, paying for our health care, paying for child care, being able to have affordable housing, not being afraid to take on the corporate interests who are harming our pockets, who are harming our environment, who are impacting Florida in such negative ways. Until we get an attorney general who is willing to be a full 100%, 24-7 advocate for the people, the people will not have what they are guaranteed under the Constitution. And I am that person. I ask that you visit my website at aramisayalafl.com to um, see the issues that are important to me that I will stand for. But most importantly, I ask for your vote on or before August 23rd. Aramis Ayala for attorney general, your attorney. Not the governors, not the legislator, but the governors, the, I'm sorry, the one who will fight the governor, the people's attorney at all times. Thank you for your opportunity. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, we for, thank you for being us. here. I think you have a very good, <laughs> I think she have a very good uh, approach to things in regards to being more substantive. She has a, uh, do we all freeze? No, just uh, you, Gary, you got that background on. Trust yeah. me, all right, okay. We I mean, can hear she, you. She, she has an opponent uh, who is more of like a, show, a showboat lawyer. Uh, when it came time for them to, to not close the beaches down, he walked up and down the beaches in a Grim Reaper's uh, costume, uh, which is cute. Uh, it may have been a tension grabber, but it didn't show me any respect for the law in the office itself. It was a little bit more uh, serious, I think. Yeah. Am I wrong on this? Well, I would say this much. I was reading an article this morning about uh, her primary opponent in that, you know, he's got a lot of big money coming into him. Um, and that always concerns me when when corporations take a big interest in our laws and, and who are the people that are, are protecting the law and enforcing it. And so I'm glad that we have, you know, Aramis uh, running. Uh, as I said before, I think her own encounters uh, with, with policing in this state uh, give her a unique perspective, just like I think um, our newest uh, Supreme Court member, um, you know, uh, uh, Dr. In, in, in Kenji Brown, um, in, in understanding that she's been both a prosecutor and a, and a public defender. Um, and I think Aramis being both of those is, uh, brings a unique perspective. So often we get, like you said, Gary, showboat politicians stepping into roles that really do require people to have experience and knowledge and discernment. And so often those are not the things that we're getting. And, you know, like Carlos says, it pisses him off to see people in office that are not doing right by the people. And I think Aramis is someone who will do right by us. I think Aramis Ayala is the attorney general that we need here in Florida. I mean, uh, showboat attorneys, they make for great television. I mean, I've been watching Law & Order for the last, uh, what, how, how many been, years have been on the other 55, 60? Anyways, obviously everybody has to have a, a, a big press conference on the court steps, and they constantly have to be in front of the camera. And in their world, uh, usually the, the court trials actually start within days after the crime and the arrest, which is, as we both know, never, ever happens. So let, let's stick with the real world. Let's stick with the folks who are intelligent enough and driven enough and understand the agony of what happens when things don't go well. 
All right, now <laughs> just just we, just we throw that out there. We are we are uh, lost for words with your wisdom, Gary. Well, <laughs> I will say this much: I'm lost know, without uh, your love. What, what we really need is, is people like Aramis in there to make it easier for us to actually push through these citizen-led initiatives. Because otherwise, what you get is a lot what they have in Texas right now. So our cohorts in Texas and, and Texas Normal have been working their asses off uh, against a similar legislature who's against cannabis reform, against a legislature who wants to continue to, to over-criminalize and pack the private prisons. And so they're actually having to spend their money in, in gathering signatures to put decriminalization on the ballots at the local level in multiple cities, rather than being able to divert that money to a state level campaign that can actually legalize it for everybody. And I think that's where we fall in at is that, like Carlos said, do we want to keep spinning our wheels year after year, you know, hoping that these politicians, you know, respect the office that they put in, or are we going to step up and fire the ones in there and put people in there that are actually going to make it easier for us to get these laws passed that we need to change, yeah, you know, and, and shout out to Texas normal and, and the folks at ground game, Texas. I mean, they're putting, you know, decriminalization ordinances on the ballot in Denton, Eglin, uh, Elgin, uh, Harker Heights, Colleen and San Marcos, Texas. But I would much rather, you know, see a statewide initiative, just like here in Florida, we want to see a statewide initiative that ends prohibition entirely. And also, we want a statewide initiative that gives us our home grow rights back. You know, and yeah. I say give us our rights back because they were rights that were taken away. They're not there. It wasn't like, you know, uh, this is something that, that, that needed to be made illegal in the first place. Cannabis was often grown uh, uh, in people's homes. It was it was part of our, our American culture for so long. If you want to talk about American history and being a patriot, Thomas Jefferson sold 2000 pounds of weed to buy rifles for the Continental Army when he was governor of, of, of Virginia, you know, in, in 1781. How are we as Americans going to sit there and say, this is a dangerous drug and it's, it's, it's hurting our communities when the fact is that, that, that cannabis, that hemp uh, uh, as a substance is the reason that we have our freedom and our independence. And to sit there and say that other people shouldn't have the freedom or independence to utilize it, to grow it, uh, to process it makes absolutely no sense. And we, we have to demand our rights back. And we're just the guys to do it, right? We're the guys that are, that are working well, hard to make certain you well, do have employee well, rights, that we do, we do have uh, patient rights, that we do have reciprocity. These kind of things we're still working hard on, and we're going to need the help of our membership. And we're going to need the help of the public. And so therefore, since we are a subscription-based organization, we ask people to go ahead and join Suncoast Normal by going to suncoastnormal.org and paying your nominal fee, which does not include your firstborn male or female. We are not sponsored by Geo. Geo, you stop them, we lock them. <coughs> and we could, we could use your financial help to move this thing forward and to make this a great show for you and for the public and to get things done. So go to suncoast.org, you'll pay the $25, you get your card, you get your genuine gold uh, five uh, brand leaf pin, which you can tell folks is a maple leaf. If you're in the supermarket, you're giving you a hassle. If not, tell them it's cannabis. Tell them what you're for. Tell them what you're all about. And let's go to Tallahassee, you and I, and D.C., and make things happen because we can work together on this and we can make it happen. And, and Gary's right. You know, uh, as a member of Suncoast Normal, all of the uh, uh, dues don't go to fund salaries for anybody. It goes to into the organization for our advocacy and education efforts. And this show in particular, we've continued over the past year to give you bigger and better guests. And we try to make this podcast, you know, uh, something that, that folks can actually enjoy and it's entertaining. And we need your support to keep making that happen. So go to our Patreon page and actually become a patron of the rotation. Uh, patreon.com slash suncoast normal slash membership you can donate five dollars a month ten dollars a month uh, twenty dollars a month there's different tiers and, and we're going to give you a shout out here on the show uh give you the opportunity to to you know uh, have some exclusive uh, time with, with with guests and such uh even get the opportunity to promote your brand and, and what you got going on in the show but it, it, we want you again to help make the rotation bigger and better because as we move forward we want to have bigger and better guests we want to continue to bring you uh you know uh, education and we really want to make sure that this is the premier uh cannabis show in the country so folks can understand the changes necessary in public policy 
And so uh, we're going to have a, a special show next week where we'll, we'll review uh, some of the positions that are up for office and can help inform you guys as you head into the ballots uh, with the primary. And then, of course, in the general election, we'll be making uh, formal endorsements. But I'm pretty excited uh, for all the great shows that we have lined up ahead of us. And we gotta go, we gotta throw one old geo GOTV uh, pitch out there because early voting in Florida does start this week for the primaries between now and the 23rd. And we're gonna we want you to go ahead and check our archives out, take a look at some of the interviews we've already done with the candidates, and of course. Take a look at that special show that Carlos is putting together with all the people that we've talked to and listen to what they're saying and make certain that they get the votes they need to get across the next line to get to the general because we want to have good candidates. We don't want to just have to vote for people out of default or if they have the lesser of two evils. We want the best. In order to do that, we got to get them through the primaries. Yeah, it's just... It, it just seems like now more than ever, it's, it's so important who's in office not just what laws are are, are being put into place because i mean it, it's seriously like it's gary you've put so much work into like affecting the laws and it's like these fucking guys don't want to fucking play game you know what i mean and you spent so long fucking playing game <laughs> you know playing the game like working doing baby steps you know actually showing respect to our fucking system and then these people get into power and just do whatever the fuck they want. It's so disheartening. Too much of the golden rule going out there. You know which one we're talking about. He who has the gold makes the rules. It seems to me that those special uh, interests always huh. say, seem to have the cash to turn legislature their way, even if they represent a small minority of the actual constituency that those people represent in our representative government. Somebody just commented if we would like to interview Rebecca Jones. <laughs> we just did, actually, uh, a couple yeah. weeks ago. And yeah. we, we can get her back on because uh, she's got some issues in regards to her campaign right now. Which yeah, it's true. The judge tossed her off the ballot, so it's, it's she's trying to get back on. I know that that's an interesting uh, development. And and I think, uh, you know, just looking at the candidates that we've had on here who are running for office, um, you know, cabinet positions and such, um, we've pretty much ran the gauntlet. We, we've had governor candidates on. We've now had our attorney general candidate of candidates for commissioner of agriculture. Uh, you know, Gary, you, you, you were uh, interviewing uh, folks. Did, did you get a chance to interview Adam for CFO at the Cushcon? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, awesome. So, you know, and I've been out for a couple of weeks. It was my birthday. I was out of the country. Uh, then I was in Philadelphia also giving speeches on on uh, on cannabis prohibition for the new leaders council. So I'm glad to be back and I'm looking forward to, you know, just uh, as we move into the general election season, uh, our organization, if you want to get more involved, uh, we are definitely going to be working to support the candidates that are pro-cannabis, that are pro-reform, and that are the ones that are going to support us in our, our fight for adult use and home grow uh, in this state. So definitely uh, come on out and, and ask to get more involved. But more than that, uh, become a member of Suncoast Normal. We definitely uh, need more members. And the more we have, the stronger we are together. And Carlos, you can cut this as a commercial later on, but we've been accused of being uh, partisan. The, the fact is we have had folks who are GOP who've been on the air, they, we had fantastic shows. We talked to Nancy Mace in Congress, who wrote, who wrote the uh, state's uh, reform bill, which is a great bill. We had Mike Minardi on, who was running as a, as a GOP. And everybody else we asked who was GOP to come on the show has not come on the show of their own volition. So if you're a GOP, and if you have an opinion on this, we want to hear what you have to say, because why be the silent majority? <laughs> if you're the majority or be the silent minority in, in, the, in the case you happen to be living in a blue district, whatever. Should, we want to hear we from go, you. Should we go out on a limb here, Gary, and say that the GOP candidates that we've invited don't have the cojones to come on the show? They don't have the cojones is what it is. <laughs> they need to have some huevos rancheros. Well, <laughs> well apparently my my mic cut off uh well apparent apparently they uh they uh uh yeah they ain't got no balls man they ain't got no cojones they <laughs> have, they're not no the problems. ones they're they're not the ones that support cannabis reform because they're not fucking talking well there it. are republicans who support cannabis reform but this is not coming on our show well, well, if they, if they do and they don't come on our show, they're obviously not supporting cannabis reform. I mean, there's yeah. Sabatini, but he's also crazy. So, you know, 
Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let, 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 let's talk about crazy Sabatini. Uh, uh, if, if any GOP candidates were for cannabis reform that are currently in office, uh, then they would not have shattered down our amendments this past legislative session. So if, if, if you're a current GOPer in the Florida House, I was there. Gary was there. We were up 1030 at night as, as Andrew learned to try to put amendments onto the, you know, the, the spending bills uh, to help uh, with, you know, everything from, uh, you know, pre-employment drug testing uh, to patients' rights. Uh, you know, in all in all, every single bill was shouted down. So there is no incumbent GOP member of the Florida House, in my mind, that is redeemable at this point, And we need to toss their asses out. Now, if you, that makes me partisan, so be it. But Carlos is the independent in this group. Carlos, how do you feel about those fuckers? I don't like them. <laughs> I don't fucking like them. They're not supporting us, and they're doing whatever the fuck they want to do, and they're not doing the, paying attention to the will of the people. Now, current president... They're Senate, fucking communists, bro. <laughs> current Senate President um, Wilton Simpson. Your constituents include <coughs> the uh, Bellamy brothers. This happened to be in your in the district you currently serve right now, and you're going after the uh, uh, commissioner of agriculture position. We want to hear your side of things. We want to know what you plan on doing and and why we would vote for you as opposed to anybody else. So feel free to come on our show. We'd love to hear what you have to say, and we will. We are not judgmental here, except for Carlos. He's rather judgmental. <laughs> I'm not even going to say anything. <laughs> well, we will catch folks next week uh, in the rotation. Same bat time, same bat channel. We appreciate y'all. And I'm actually out of the house. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This has been the rotation, and you have been a part of it. You can be a bigger part of it by joining Suncoast Normal. Suncoast Normal is an organization that can help you make the change that we all need. Go to the Suncoast Normal website and become a member because that is how you become part of the change. You can find the Rotation podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes, but you can always join us in the Rotation at suncoastnormal.org. At that very website, you can join the cannabis movement by becoming a member of Suncoast Normal, gain access to cannabis events, cannabis info, Normal's legal network, and even a free membership to National, all by joining Suncoast Normal. That website, again, is suncoastnorml.org. You can also find us on social media at Suncoast Normal. Uh, Find us on both Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you, Gary, and good night. Good night.